Hello, welcome to another episode of Unpacking Neuroqueerness. This is your host, George Muniz Gund. Today, I have another special guest, my cousin, Susanna Gund. We're going to talk about ADHD and her experience with it uh, as a late diagnosed adhd mm-hmm. Um Welcome, Susanna. Thank you. Thanks, Genial. Happy yeah, to be here. My pleasure. <laughs> and uh, so I, I have my first question is, how was growing up as an undiagnosed neurodistinct child? Yeah, um, it's, it's interesting. And again, I will say, and I told you, I was trying to figure out, oh, am I ready to be on the podcast? I feel like in some ways I'm so new in my journey. I'm so excited in my journey with this diagnosis. Um, in fact, I, yeah, and I'm still sort of pursuing part of my formal diagnosis. Um, and I'm, so I was hesitant about misspeaking, misrepresenting, and also in some ways I haven't even fully, um, unpacked all of those pieces of the childhood stuff. Mm -hmm. I think one thing I have thought a lot about, and I've, I've noticed talking to other folks, and especially the late diagnosed, the like adult diagnosis, which especially for women identified people, it seems like 37 after having one or two kids, I feel like yeah. there are a lot of people um, like me who who fall into that category. And I think I think I've, I've a lot of people have felt like relief and joy the diagnosis, and a lot of people have felt anger too somewhere Mm -hmm. in the mix and I think some of that anger for me is how did no one pick up on this and how did I have to spend Mm -hmm. so many years of my life feeling so mad at myself and feeling so worthless feeling like I was so bad at certain things and you know I was always a good kid good at school real people pleaser Mm -hmm. real teacher pleaser um, but ever, I, but I always had trouble turning work in on time mm. and I always had trouble being on time and I still have trouble mm. being on time. And, um, and so I think, and I, you know, and sort of biting off more than I could chew and, um, you know, and talking a lot, like mm-hmm. I got a lot of, I mean, and I think, Hyperactivity. yeah, yeah. And I don't, I mean, and I'm still trying to figure out how it looks, how it presents, like, you know, I because yeah. it's different for everyone, it's, too. It's different for everyone. Yeah. And I think that part of the reason that so many, like, women people go undiagnosed with ADHD is because this idea of what what many teachers, I think, in my generation, people thought hyperactivity looked like mm. was, like, a white boy in the corner who yeah. couldn't sit still, right? Sim- similar to autism. Right? Yeah. There's, like, certain mm-hmm. things that it looked like, and, and, it, and it was coded as very male. Yeah. And, you know girls are supposed to be more talkative and social and I think the way we're socialized Mm -hmm. to mask too yeah um right so I still and so in some ways talking in school I mean and I think yeah there's so many things and of course ADHD brain I want to tell you all of them and I want to just take you on a journey and a um with me but um but yeah but I just think I think also for me thinking about it in terms of dopamine too Mm -hmm. I mean in school I got a lot of attention Mm -hmm. which I really so I think when I was physically present in school, I was on fire. I was shining. Mm-hmm. I was so happy. I got to know the answers. I got to. And I, I think about as a young person, I mean, I remember by the time I was in seventh grade telling my English teacher early on saying, you know, I like to talk a lot, um, but I, I try in class. And even when I was, mm-hmm. even by the time I was 13 years old, I, I would try to wait for three people to talk mm-hmm. before I talked because I knew. And mm-hmm. I almost would try to challenge myself 
to be one of the last people to talk mm. and see if I could still get something I said for my teacher to write it on the board. So that was how I kind of mm-hmm. held myself in. But I, I would look at other kids who weren't talking and just think, how do you do it? Yeah. Like, how do you keep the words <laughs> yeah. inside, yeah. you know? Um, just feel envious and shocked and you know I never Mm -hmm. every so often I'd be in a group and someone would say wow you have so many ideas and I'm Mm -hmm. like oh this is this is a good thing I thought this was a bad thing I thought this was me I thought everyone is having all these ideas and I'm the only one who can't shut up um and of course I have a small child who's going to be nursing so multitasking but yeah so I think I think the the childhood pieces I mean it was things like talking things like and and feeling like I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about feeling like they were getting in their own way and like I loved school mm-hmm. so why couldn't I just do my homework you know like why was it so hard for me to sit down and practice my trumpet or sit down and do the work and yeah I think yeah so that was like a symptom of the executive dysfunction yep. but you didn't know it I time. didn't know it I yeah. thought I was just mm-hmm. bad you know I thought I was like a bad kid and I think I think one other thing I'll say um, just about, like, sort of why I wasn't diagnosed is my parents got divorced when I was nine. So it was right at the time when I started getting homework in school. Like, literally Mm. in third grade, that was the year we started doing homework. And I think that also, I think my teachers were sort of like, okay, well, you know, I mean, we were going back and forth every week between two different houses. and so that's disruptive for the emerging executive functioning of any nine-year-old whose yeah. who's executive functioning is not quite there. And so I think my particular symptoms maybe were chalked up to that yeah. in a way that was like a generous homeschool mm-hmm. understanding, but it also meant that... Yeah, I think that happens a lot with um, many people, Is uh, and this applies to autism too, is that our traits... Um, especially the ones that we struggle more with can be exacerbated by sensory or emotional Mm. things that are going on with us so like uh, a tough event uh, at home such as your parents getting divorced can definitely impact um, how your, your executive function is working and usually like your your support needs will be you'll have more support needs during these times and uh that's what's so unfortunate about like many people not getting diagnosed until later and and i can relate to this um this thing you were talking about as well about not like thinking you're broken right thinking that you're there's something wrong with you and you're not doing things right um, and like, why is everyone else able to do this yeah. and I'm not? And yeah. it's also this mentality that society has yeah. that like everyone has to function in the same yep. ways. Cause like I would literally have teachers in school when I was younger that they would say, and they wouldn't just say this to me. They would say this to other people too. Like the person would be telling them like, Hey, I'm really struggling with this. I, I don't think I can do this in this way or I need more time or there's this going on at home or whatever. And the teacher would say, well, so-and-so did it, so you should be able to do it, too. Sure, 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 sure. And I remember picking up on that, and, like, when they would, when teachers would say that to other people, um, they, the other people would, I I heard them complaining, and, like, I think at that time, I didn't really have the confidence to Mm. voice my needs yet, and, like, 
understand that but i would hear other people talking about well this teacher keeps telling me that if other if this person can do it that i can do it yeah. but like i'm not the same as this person yeah and, and then i started realizing like yeah there is this thing where they expect you to do these things like the same in this certain way um and and it really like we need more understanding of just the different neurotypes and the different yep. ways that brains work and everything um and i think that also you were talking about how it can be harder for girls and and also like girls don't get diagnosed until later um girls or people that identify uh, as female um and uh that's also because i feel like with with females there's more pressure to mask yeah um because there's a little bit of a, a misogyny and sexism that plays in kind of intersects with the ableism yeah um and uh and then yeah it's just like you feel more obligated to mask and um and we really shouldn't be and and kids shouldn't shouldn't be feeling that that way and you know feeling obligated to mask and and all uh we we want to and i feel like more more awareness and understanding from everybody yeah will will help will help with acceptance as well um and i'm just going to mention again like something really uh really cool that i read about like recently like a few months ago was um this read from a teacher in Brazil uh I think it was maybe middle school or high mm-hmm. school and he was talking about how he had a student with ADHD a female student um that there was a quiz and she had scored like just 27% and uh and then so he talked to her and he was like oh what's going on and then she explained i have hyperactive adhd uh and it's like hard for me to focus sometimes i need to be stimulated um like i need to stim or i need to move around and then so he proceeded to have a conversation about neurodiversity with the entire class mm. and um and then during that conversation one more person with the diagnosis came forward mm. and two more people that had symptoms and um so he made this accommodation for them where he made extra space in between the last two rows mm. so they could walk around during class That's without great. missing instruction yeah. and then sure enough the next quiz that the the girl took um that had was originally struggling she scored 92%. Wow. So that accommodation made a huge difference and it's just like I was so amazed by that and then it just made me realize like that's what inclusive education really is and it's so much better than what so many schools do which is they separate the um the the disabled students yeah. from the other students. And not only is that doing a disservice to the disabled student by isolating them, but it's doing a disservice to the whole class because no one's going to learn yeah. about the about their disability. Yeah, um, and from these kids who yeah. have things to contribute in class, who have, I'm sure, out of the box ideas or just 
are human beings who deserve to be in the class and part of the course experience. And I think, I mean, I love that story and that example because I, I've thought a lot about how, you know, Zoom has really impacted my participation in meetings and different things. I mean, one, as a parent, because I can be home, I can nurse, I can whatever during a meeting um, means we have some extra commentary during during recording this. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it also... I think there are ways that in the privacy of my own home, I can mute the screen, but I can be doing something mm-hmm. else. I mean, I have a standing desk in my office. I can stand up, sit down. I can, uh, you know, I can pedal something under my desk. I can do stretches and that. It's, it's funny because I think I hadn't, I mean, when you talk about the way femme people are, you know, again, we're taught to mask or that's, that's internalized. And I think there's, there's a degree to which almost, you know, even in my journey as an educator, oh, okay, fidgets became more of a thing and learning about fidgets. And, and, you know, I think when I first learned about fidgets, I was like, oh, okay, but that's not something that would have necessarily helped me, but I think that's great, it's available. And now, the more I learn about things, I, I, you know, I see my own educational career could have been impacted if, but it's like I didn't even see that as an option for me when I first heard about it and started teaching and seeing how it would help my students. It's, it's like, but oh, for my own brain, I, I, was a, I was a kid who was easily engaged in school. And I think that's true. But I think there were also moments where if I could have been doing something with my hands, yeah. with my body, um, courses where I struggled more, if I could have given myself some little extra hits of dopamine in some other form, aside from just praise mm-hmm. from my teacher and affection, which was the biggest driver for me, then I would have, I would have been able to be present differently. So. Yeah, I think it's also like there's something really special about when you're finally um, able to reflect when we all like reflect on on these past experiences and then understanding more about our needs and then we're able to honor our needs more um, in, in current times. And even though it would have been nice if we if we knew that before, in a way, it's it's helpful and it because event like we do discover this later and then we do have this whole awakening and you know we're we're just a lot more aware of our needs and like how how we need to honor them like i i wanted to mention like last night we were at dinner and i noticed like we were um i was like near you and and your husband cedric and you said to him at one moment I'm feeling a little bit overstimulated. I think we should... Can we go to a quiet area? Yeah. And then I thought... I just thought that was so awesome. And I almost told you in that moment, <laughs> like, that's just a great way to honor... Recognize your needs and honor your needs and ask for support. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I've gotten a lot better at doing that now, too. Like, if in the past, like, if if I were in a situation where... I'm overstimulated um, or like I, I need a little break um, I, I I wouldn't I would feel too shy to to advocate for that because of, there's this whole mentality like I would feel like I was the inconvenience for asking mm-hmm. or for for saying that or that I was complaining but then I realized that like it's okay to acknowledge that my brain works in a different way and and I need this support so um just like also been uh 
something that that's been very powerful for me as well yeah yeah and I think I mean the intersection with my journey and having kids right like I didn't I didn't recognize my own ADHD brain until after this beautiful child here my second child was born but I think something I always say about having kids and I would say one of the hardest things about having kids is you can't just tell them something <laughs> you have to work on embodying it so I can't just say you're a worthwhile person if I feel like I'm not a worthwhile person all the time and you know if I want them to live in a world where they can have space to take space for their heads and hearts and brains where they can do what they need to do for their own self and community care then I have to work on living that myself and in the present not just in terms of how I want them to live and be but in the present moment to be the most present and loving and caring parent parenting can be really hard it's all about setting boundaries Mm -hmm. (laughs) um I have to I have to be I have to be okay and if Mm -hmm. I'm triggered by something if I'm overstimulated if I'm exhausted because sleep and ADHD are hard if I you know all all of the things in the mix if I'm feeling terrible about myself because someone said something that might not have been a criticism but I've internalized it that way then it's harder for me Mm -hmm. to say to to do what I want to do to parent in alignment Mm -hmm. with my values and and to love on my children in a safe and comfortable way so um so I've really had to learn about what I need to do to be okay yeah and I think it's like it's a process like I'm I'm still learning and and realizing these things and understanding myself as well like as time goes by and I think like the learning in a way the learning never stops yeah um and so like being able to recognize that and 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 then just you know appreciating the progress but then also like I do also have some moments where like I I also have uh rejection sensitive dysphoria mm-hmm. and you know I'll I'll be playing I feel like, and I've always noticed like since I was younger that I play interaction like I'll have an interaction mm-hmm, or a conversation mm-hmm, with someone mm-hmm. and I'll be playing it back in mm-hmm. my head like oh, five man. times yeah 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 because then I'll be thinking and even if it's like oh it, it seemed to end pretty well oh. I'm just still like okay but was it was it a good conversation did yeah did that how did they leave because the, I'm always wondering like how are they sure leaving that conversation sure and i mean just to be very real like here we are you know there's these waves lapping in the background we're on this beautiful beach on this family reunion and at the same time here are people we love they're our family Mm -hmm. and and we love each other deeply and yet i i see many of the people here only once a year at this family Mm -hmm. reunion and so i think that can put (laughs) this gorgeous setting this extra pressure on certain interactions and Mm -hmm. i i mean i am doing Mm -hmm. the same thing replaying interactions and and you know and I think I and I appreciate my partner kind of helping me ground down and saying you know look look outside look at the horizon look mm-hmm. at the sky let's try to take things moment by moment but um you know I I mean I think some CBT stuff mm-hmm. has really been helpful mm-hmm. for me with that too mm-hmm. I love a CBT app that I've used for years mm-hmm. since before knowing about RSD and ADHD um but just to kind of step back and say what is it yeah. that actually happened mm-hmm. What? how do I feel and then how much could I be catastrophizing how much could I be doing these different things and what, what distortions could there be at play yeah. um, and even if there's something that I, I end up saying well maybe that's not so much of a distor- distortion I can own my part in it 
a little bit more mm-hmm. um, yeah a little bit more clearly and groundedly yeah. but yeah I I think as you were saying that and and before when you were also talking about or you know just as we were both talking about kind of I don't know just how to be in the world I think something too and something that I really appreciate about your work your Instagram account the podcast and um, and other people posting things about neurodivergence in different ways is that um, I think I think it's helped teach me that when I'm like okay I need to do what I what what's important for me to be there for my children like I was just talking about before that doesn't necessarily mean trying to look neurotypical mm-hmm, like maybe exactly. it does mean fidgeting and so maybe it does mean moving around standing up maybe it does mean setting setting up space for myself so that I don't have to worry about being on time all day long <laughs> you know like yeah. maybe there are parts of my day where where I don't have to put in that energy or maybe there are ways I can set myself up so that I can be on time for something but without putting pressure on myself that I'm a failure if I don't I, I'm, I'm not explaining this fully and clearly but just that just that I think sometimes what can be really hard is I say, okay, I just need to be okay. And then I'm cutting a piece of myself off. Then I'm saying, and oh, and okay looks like Cedric, looks like my partner's brain. Okay looks like someone else. Okay looks like how yeah. someone else would, would present and perform. And, and you know, and, and sometimes I felt like, okay, I just need mm-hmm. to learn how to not talk. I need to learn how to stop talking. And actually, no. you know, I no. think my, the fact that I am a very emotionally present vulnerable person i think there are times when that can be a real gift to other people Mm -hmm. you know Um, yeah of course and i think and i think it's just it's Mm -hmm. also who i am and yeah i don't wanna i want to be able to to thrive um with the things that make me who i am and also and also be able to live in community with others but but i hope that as my children grow what living in community will look like is more like that class in Brazil that you talked about yeah. where sort of we have a we have a sense that we want everyone in the class to be able to be present yeah so. yeah exactly and I, I think I mean it is like it's also like the whole thing with masking and unmasking and then unveiling really uh, because we put on so many layers of masks throughout our lives that sometimes we forget like we're kind we kind of lose touch with our true selves mm. because it's we it takes peeling off all these masks one by one and then really really understanding like who you are which i think is a lot of what you were talking about as well and um but then it's also understanding like that because we've we've been conditioned to mask for so long even as we're starting this unmasking journey we still like i've realized that it is it has become a trauma response Mm. over the years so we'll we'll start doing it automatically sometimes without even knowing like you were talking about catching yourself thinking oh i should talk less because the people around me are talking less it that's kind of like an automatic um trauma response like you know but then I think that one good thing, at least for me, is that, and probably you, you might feel this too, but, like, I've been able to catch myself more and mm-hmm, catch myself mm-hmm, quicker mm-hmm, when I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of times, 
especially if I'm in an environment where I feel accepted, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of like rem- get back to my true self a little bit. Mm-hmm. Even, even if there's always going to be a little bit of masking going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all like a, a gradual process. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I know you have questions that I want, but this is, I guess, when you when you have an ADHD brain on the podcast, I don't know how much it's... No, ooh, no. Ooh, it's, ooh, let's jump, let's jump, follow, let's jump. We don't need to follow everything. But, like. but I guess I just wanted to also just throw out the intersection with shame and, you know, and even thinking about this. And I think even part of my hesitancy, again, on multiple levels about saying, oh, I don't know if I'm ready. One is I don't want to misspeak. I don't want to say something uninformed. Uh harmful hurtful to anyone else in any way and I think also there is a part of me that well when I talk about the way ADHD manifests for me and even now in the conversations we've had saying you know I just I hear this voice in my head saying oh someone's gonna hear this and say wow that's pathetic you're just making excuses for the fact that you talk too much and you're late you know like even as I'm on this journey even as I'm like and even as I want a different world for my kids and not just these kids that I have but the children in my class the people and people who were kids who are, you know, and, and the other people in my ADHD group, it's it's so hard to silence that, you know, and even to say, yeah. oh, maybe someone else's ADHD is real because it looks like this, this, and this. But here, what I'm talking about, come on, Susanna, like just, you just need to get it together. You know, it's, it's really, it's harsh. That's really harsh and that's really unfortunate. And I don't know if people realize, like, I just wish that everyone would study more about neurodiversity and how it can present in different ways and the fact that we do have such stigmatized ableist perceptions in society of what disability is supposed to look like and uh, even it's like even among neurodivergent people like we, we will have different opinions and like I I struggled a lot with this as well, like, when I, when I first started my podcast about, like, I mean, not just the, the neurotypicals, you know, not believing me or, you know, just because I don't fit what, you know, the stereotype of what they think autism is or because I'm nothing like their autistic cousin. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm like, okay, you're nothing like my neurotypical cousin. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so... Um, it's like that I started becoming more confident with over time but there's also the part like you were saying like with other ADHDers having different experiences and maybe not agreeing with your experiences like I also felt that like with um, other autistics not, not understanding my perspective or my experiences but you know that's why I always make it clear and like when people are nervous to come on my podcast mm-hmm. I always make it clear to them as well that you know we're we're each our own individuals and like everyone has different traits to different intensities um and like we each have our own experiences and and it'll be different for everyone um and I think that also helps reassure everyone um, you know, that they're not being their own experience with ADHD or with their family or whatnot is not being invalidated by our experiences. Yeah. Like, we're just speaking, like, of uh, our unique 
um, take on this. Yeah. Um, but then I also feel like what happens to a lot of neurodivergent people is that they get conditioned. Like, they end up having internalized ableism about themselves. Yeah. And maybe other neurodivergents as well because they've been conditioned since a child to think of their neurodivergence as a bad thing. And their neurodivergence is usually like people only associate it with the disabilities that are associated with it, but not really talking about the positive side as well and just how everything meshes together. Um, And so it's unfortunate, like, because I see a lot of people that still talk and write about their neurodivergence from a very negative angle and i and i don't want to like um like i still want to honor that they have struggles and they should talk about their struggles but it's like also about like accepting yourself and your struggles and the way that you communicate is different and like i um i bring this up because um there uh I read this blog once by an autistic person uh, because he and he was like talking about his autism in a in a very pathologized way. He was saying mm-hmm. about like how he was like trying to so he would say some things like his wife, you know, he's trying to be a better person for his wife as if. His yeah. neurodivergence yeah. made him a bad person. Yeah. And then, oh, he's all like, could empathy be learned? And then that drives me crazy because yeah. that's one of the big stigmas out yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not that you don't have empathy, yeah. man. It's that you show it in different ways. Yeah. And so it's not, can empathy be learned? It's like, yeah. can you both, you and your wife in his case, understand, like, understand each other's communication yeah uh and to make it a two-way street because the way he was writing about it and i think that the way a lot of people end up conditioned to think um about their own neurodivergence is that they're the one that's wrong yeah and they're the yep. one that needs yep, to yep, fix yep, themselves yep, yep. and i mean it just made me kind of bummed because it's like a very one-way yeah approach and i just feel like if this person had had more acceptance sure um, from like early on it, it maybe they would have had a different view yeah um, and then it's also like like other autistic people go and read that and they're like oh well I guess I need to learn I, yeah. empathy too yeah. and yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. so like not the message that we want to be sending yeah um, I mean yeah. I was gonna say I feel like you should have Cedric on the podcast or maybe yeah. you should have me and Cedric together now and then again in mm-hmm. five years because I yeah. feel like we'll talk about things very differently over time like I think just as I'm in one part of my journey where our journey as a partnership is shifting and changing and I think we've gotten into some real arguments where you know neither of us really have the language to say what we needed and and I just for you saying that that person talking about wanting to be better for their partner, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, and, and that just really resonates with what I was saying before about saying, I don't want to just say, okay, to take better care of myself and my family, I need to look like Cedric. And I think sometimes I, I, I mean, for our relationship, I'm like, okay, I need to work on this. And I've been, I really appreciate the ADHD coach that I've worked with. And she's someone who has ADHD because you know, I came into a session and she's like, what do you want to work on today? And I was like, well, you know, I, 
I have to be on time or something like that. I didn't, I, I, I wasn't sure how to say it. And she was like, mm, like, let's, let's think about this. Let's reframe mm-hmm. this. Like, what do you, what do you mean by this? What do you need by this? And, and, and we ended up talking about trying to make it so that I can work with time in a way that still yeah. doesn't feel mm-hmm. pressureful and painful mm-hmm. for me. That works for you. That yeah. works for me, mm-hmm. and that um, and that can honor and, and care for and be in again be in community with the people around me. But I think and I think Cedric and I have, have gotten into some of these sort of arguments. As I said, where where neither of us really have the language, but where I was trying to say no, but I need to start from a place where I am good enough just as I am, like where I am a worthwhile person as I am. And I think he would sometimes get frustrated and he's like, okay, but you do see that something needs to change. You do. And 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 he, we were even talking about it again last night in a different way because I think I said, ah, oh, remember when we had that conversation? Like I, for me to say there's something I want to work on, if I can't start with I am enough, I am okay, then, yeah. then, I, then I can't then any any action I try to take will be out of self-flagellation, out of self-hatred, out, out of, you know, and it won't yeah. be... It won't, it be, won't be real, it won't be genuine, mm-hmm. it won't be healthy. It yeah. will just, because I'll just... Everything I do, I won't feel better when mm-hmm. I'm on time. I'll just say, well, but now I see all these other ways I could... In front of my head, I want to say, F up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I could have effed up, I will F up again. Like, I'll just, I'll, I'll be running uphill all the time, and... And I'll never land somewhere where I feel just okay, you know, but if I can start from a place that I'm worthwhile, that I'm enough, and then maybe I want to reframe my relationship with certain things, and and I want to be in community with my partner, and I want him to feel seen and heard and respected, um, and I, I think we, we do struggle a lot with just being candid about the relationship side, with where is it that maybe, where is it that he can bend where is it that I can bend where is it we can talk through something and change our perspective together you know Mm -hmm. Um, where is it that maybe he's saying something in a way that's harsher than necessary and where is something that it's harder for me to hear no matter how he says it you know Um, so I don't know I just yeah I so but it's 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 interesting when you when you mention this person because I also I don't know I mean Mm -hmm. I haven't put it on a blog but there are definitely moments where i yeah, felt that course. same way I mean, like oh i, I have to be sometimes. better for my yeah. partner right um yeah 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 um and it's also like just like as any any relationship like we have with any person like a partner a sister a, another yeah. family member a friend there is like growth on both sides yeah. and like i remember uh like one example with my sister um is that, and we, we talked about this on the episode yeah. that, that I did with her, is that with stimming, yeah. she used to be really annoyed by my stims. Yeah. And she would always treat it as something that I needed to fix yeah. or that I needed to stop and, and, and that. And then it just, her perspective shifted yeah. so drastically in the last couple of years after I explained to her what, after I could understand myself sure, what sure, it is sure. and then be like, oh, okay, I don't need to like fix myself. Yeah. And then I could explain to her like, hey, this is what it is. This is why I stim and this is why I don't need to yeah. fix it. And yeah. now she completely understands. Yeah. And now she's like, you know so different like about me stimming she's like well okay if he needs to stim and it's not hurting himself or anyone else then why should it be a problem 
Yeah. Um, and so that's just like something really great, like a personal example of of how you know when you have a relationship with someone and you're able to talk more and more about these things. It, um, like you were saying as well, it just it brings more and more understanding and yeah. like what these conversations now will be very different from two years ago and they'll yep, be very yep, different from yep. five years from now yeah, yeah. and, it, and it, it is just a shame though even in that example with Lou that we do so often have to first prove our yeah. self-worth and our right to exist yes. and right to be in it and again that's not on Lou that's not on Cedric that's not you know that's on a larger system and a larger yeah. system grounded in capitalism and all yes. these things where success looks like a neurotypical straight cis mm-hmm. white man of wealth, privilege, and roughly Protestant yeah. faith and Western European, you know, all these uh-huh, things. exactly. And, um, and, and that it just, but I, I mean, I, again, I loved that example of that class in Brazil, and I think about as a teacher and as a parent, and like, how can we, no matter who our kids are in our class, in our family, how can we really teach and show that everyone, every brain had heart belongs is enough you know um and that that we can see the joy and beauty of the different ways that people interact i mean i think it's just yeah i don't know i'm someone who loves languages and i think like these different languages of communication but also of ways of thinking and being and knowing i mean again i you know like i've learned from you Mm -hmm. From you and from yeah. things you post, like I've learned from you about my own body and my own needs, right? right? And like we have, you know, we have these like different diagnoses, different kind of brains. But oh, okay, you talk about stimming, and yeah. it opens me up to saying, wait a minute, like what are we? You yeah. know, and even yesterday when you mentioned the sun getting in your eye and like and just moving around with that, like that teaches me some. That 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 helps me be grounded and aware in my own body and that helps me as a parent to say oh what are my kids needs and and as a teacher and as a community member to say when I look around this room what are other people you know so I just think and I think that's so beautiful yeah when when everyone can just be our whole Mm -hmm. selves when we can have all those colors shining it actually makes us more able to see everyone like it just exactly you know and and i mean i i love with that class in brazil where you said oh okay and so there are actually other students who came forward and you know maybe someone sees you stimming in some way and they recognize something in their Mm -hmm. own body or they recognize oh they recognize something in their own kid or in their own parent or in their own sibling and yeah and i just i wish that that could be in a way that's just from Mm -hmm. jump from the beginning from the way we learn and the way we see people and not that it has to be i mean again clearly i love to talk i like to explain things that but that we have to explain ourselves and we have to justify our own existences and our own rights it's a shame that that's like we we have to do all the explaining still yeah but i hope hopefully one day with podcasts like yeah you're doing the work It'll, they'll, more and more people, more and more people will understand and we will have to do less of the explaining. Yeah. Um, and, um, gosh, there's something else, but like I lost my thought. Um, this is neurodivergent life <laughs> sometimes. Um, okay. Um, so yeah, uh, 
This is really fun, G, though. Yeah. I'd be happy to do yeah. a part two. Or again, I do, I don't know. I, 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 <laughs> this is just, this is such great cathartic yeah. free therapy for me. But, um, but I, I do think it would be interesting to either talk to Cedric or talk to me and Cedric. Yeah. I don't oh, know I if that's, do I don't know how much that's, that's you. part of your, oh, I would part love of your that. vibe. But, no, I would um, love that. But yeah. 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 Um, yeah, because then it's also, now I remembered what I was thinking about mm. earlier. Um, like, that's, like, how it's been, because when you were talking about how it's been so impactful for you to, like, hear from me and then, like, understand things about yourself. Like, like that's definitely one of the things that, that I love the most about doing this podcast yeah. is being able to get other, like, help other people understand themselves, yeah. too. And, um... So I know that you have to <laughs> tend to your children now, um, but thanks so much for coming on. This was really thanks fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I think hopefully we can we can do uh, a part two for yeah. sure, and definitely would be interested in talking with you and Cedric. Yeah. Just about like your relationship and understanding each other and everything. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I would yeah. love that. Thank you, Genio. Yeah, thank you. Alright, I hope you all enjoyed this episode um, and uh, stay tuned for the next one.